Luke chapter 16, hear the word of God. He, that is Jesus, also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So... Summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Skipping down to verse 19, Jesus again speaking says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, And he feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died. And was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Both of these two parables are about making friends. Uh, Jesus is telling you 
to make friends. Jesus is telling his followers, he's calling and encouraging his followers to, to make uh, friends. Maybe on the, on, on the first reading, on the surface of it, you don't uh, notice that. A lot of times these uh, parables, either one of them is talked about more in relation to uh, money, which is a major emphasis. In fact, in some of the intervening verse, verses that we didn't look at, uh, it mentions you, uh, you can't serve two masters. Uh, you cannot serve God and money. Either you will love one and hate the other, or you'll be uh, devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Um, but actually, more importantly, the emphasis of the passage is on making friends. Um, Jesus wants you to make friends. It's pretty clear if you look at it in verse uh, 9. I even put verse 9 in bold for you. Um, Jesus is telling us the point of the first parable, and he says this, I tell you, make friends. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal kingdom. You see, as he talks about money or the unrighteous wealth there, the mammon, the, uh, the word used there, status, position, wealth, uh, the property or position that we have, uh, money is talked about as a tool, as a means for the more important objective of what Jesus is talking about, of making, making friends. So Jesus tells us these uh, two stories. Uh, one story with a good example uh, of how to make friends, even though it sounds uh, really kind of odd to us, a few things that, that, are, that are difficult for us and worth a lot of reflection on. Um, and then he gives, at the end of the chapter that we read, a second story, a bad example uh, of not uh, making, making friends. He gives us two stories to shape our understanding of building relationships, of making friends, of reaching out, of, of socializing, of who we associate with and why. Um, so if you're wondering what Jesus is talking about or what these passages are calling you to, uh, Jesus is saying it fairly clearly uh, to, to, to make friends. Um, it goes into the how and why and more. Uh, but I want you to realize as well that there's um, uh, three different audiences that Jesus is talking to. Uh, I hope that helps you relate to it, whichever place that you uh, connect to. Don't be distracted by the chapter break. Luke 16 falls right after Luke 15. Um, at the beginning of Luke 15, what's happening is Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Um, and the Pharisees are really upset with the fact that Jesus is hanging out uh, with these morally off uh, uh, people and spending time with them and eating with them and having them uh, eat with him. And so Jesus tells these three parables to those Pharisees, uh, he tells the parables of the, of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost uh, son. And then in chapter 16, he turns and he talks to the disciples. Same context of Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees being upset with that. With that. And now he turns to the disciples and says, here's what I want you to learn. I want you to see how I'm hanging out with these people and I want to encourage you to hear the story and think about how you make friends, who you make friends with, uh, why, and for what purpose, and to what end. Um, so Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees at one point, to his disciples at another point. And each of these times, the, uh, the tax collectors and the sinners are listening in, right? So, so three audiences. One, we could say, primarily in chapter 16, the audience of those who are following Jesus, those who are wanting to learn from Jesus. But then also there's the audience of those who are opposing Jesus, or Jesus' enemies. Tells the second parable more to the Pharisees. Uh, and then there's those that maybe we should just call uh, Jesus' uh, 
new friends or, or potential friends, uh, these tax collectors and sinners uh, who are hanging out with Jesus and getting to know Jesus and figuring out what they think of him. Um, and as you relate to, to any of those in particular or even see ways that your heart relates to all of them, you see how Jesus' word here speaks to you, how these stories should be uh, shaping you. Um, and I particularly want to say that to y'all, like, college is one of the uh, best and easiest times to make friends. Uh, then you, know, you come in, if you come in freshman year and you're in the dorm, like you could want to not make friends and it would still be a little bit hard. I mean, you can still like shove people uh, away, but, uh, but there's enough other people who are also maybe kind of desperate and their friends from high school aren't there and there's things going on all the time that there's just an easy context of, of making friends. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes the people that you would like to relate to aren't there or don't reach out to you. Um, but really, college is a time where more than most other times in life, because you're in a, like, a, you're kind of like in a commune, except it's this huge commune uh, of like having all these things uh, together that are, that are going on that you can connect with. And you can just grab random people on a weekend and say, hey, we're trying to go to the Greek food festival. Do you have a car? And you might be able to talk someone into going with you and just having fun like that because it's college or go on some random road trip with people. There's things that you do in college uh, that are much harder <laughs> to happen other times in life. Um, it's, a, it's a great and easy uh, time. Some of the, some of the best friends uh, still of people that I uh, care about and just know well are folks that I got to know well in college. Um, so Jesus is talking to his disciples about the friendships that they would make. And what I want you to consider as we look at these two stories, as we look at these two parables, is when you think about your friendships and how they're described, what would, what would the stories of your friendship sound like? How do they start? Why do they start? How do they develop and progress as you get closer, as you do more things, as you trust one another, as you know one another? Um, and even how might they end? Uh, what are the stories of your friendships? What would they look like? Because first, Jesus gives us a very odd example uh, for, for, for building relationships. Uh, this, this first parable strikes us as a really odd example to follow. I mean, this guy described as the uh, dishonest manager or the unjust uh, steward, he's a cheat. He's a liar uh, and a thief. It's scandalous. He's a, he's a swindler. Um, and Jesus is saying, see what this guy did? Uh, I want you to learn something from that, right? And let me just interject here. Um, the tax collectors and the sinners who were listening in on this story, I can't imagine but that they were eating this up. Uh, that Jesus is talking about a story like this and saying, hey, there's something for you, my disciples, to, to learn uh, from this. But the guy is not uh, someone who we, want, we would want to emulate in all, all respects. Uh, it, it would be a huge scandal. It would be as if some, um, uh, some CEO had been embezzling out of this Fortune 500 uh, company, uh, and he finally gets caught. And they realize it, and they start calculating up all the money uh, that he's you know, done whatever different things with. Um, but... Before his authority could be uh, revoked, before his passwords were turned off, uh, all the money that he had gotten out of this is, uh, is transferred. You know, it's always done, at least in the movies. It's hidden in some offshore account somewhere. 
All of it's transferred and hidden into offshore accounts uh, of his uh, close friends and relatives uh, as, he's, as he's called. And then before he can be punished, uh, as the trial's getting close, uh, someone pays for him to get out on bail. And he hops on a plane uh, down to the Bahamas or the Bermuda somewhere uh, to a private island uh, that his close friends and family have bought and just retires there and lives happily ever after off that money and nothing ever happens to him. Um, it's a scandal. Like, how can he get away with that kind of thing? There was money that was invested in other people that were in, involved in it. Um, and, and Jesus is using this as an example. Really, we're supposed to go and be like him? And Jesus is saying to his followers, exactly, yes, I want you to pay attention to what he did. He even says it almost like this, if only my followers would be more like this. Did you hear that in verse 9? Um, uh, the, sons, uh, the sons of this world, how do you say it? Uh, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And he's calling you. Not to the dishonesty, not to the cheat, not to the swindling, not to just get as much money for yourself and, uh, and, uh, and mess other people over. Um, he's, but, he, but he's calling his followers to shrewdness, uh, to shrewdness in, in uh, planning. He's not being commended for his dishonesty, but this, this guy, he knows how to be strategic because he gets away with it. He knows how to be strategic and plan uh, for the future, and especially he knew how to make friends. And Jesus wants his followers to be shrewd and strategic, uh, even in ways that look or feel uh, really odd, uh, in order to make friends for a future in his eternal kingdom. That's what you see in verse 9. I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Uh, it's interesting as you look in this parable, and it falls right after the parable of the prodigal son, who had gone and squandered his father's wealth and ends up in this bad trouble. Same words used here of this manager. Uh, that day you'd have someone as a manager or a steward who would just be invested with the authority of the person who owned it. Uh, but he would, he would have authority to make deals, to send money, what different, whatever that manager did, what that steward did, uh, that was the action of the, of the owner. Uh, and so this man seems to have squandered it. He's been wasteful. He's mismanaged money. Was he embezzling you have to wonder, uh, but apparently not very well if he has because he doesn't have anything to live off. And now he's been caught. He's been found out. Uh, he's about to get the, the famous Donald Trump, you're fired. Um, and he's going, what do I do now? Because I have nothing. And I have no money and no place to go. And you get that, kind of this window into this guy and he's going, I really don't want to be stuck doing manual labor. Uh, working that hard uh, all day long just to eke out a living, that's, that's not the direction I'm going. He's like, or I could beg. It's like, no, 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 I can't. I, I, I'd be too ashamed uh, to just go and be trying to uh, live off um, uh, begging uh, before others for their money. So he wants a better option. Um, so he comes up with a great plan of how he can be, get other people who will be able to help him out once he's, once he's out. And so what he does is he calls the various people that, that owe his master money, the accounts that he's been uh, managing, and he unjustly uh, writes down the debt, lowers it down. We don't really think about like 
olive oil and wheat and, and how much of that uh, is worth. But if this much olive oil, that's like a plantation of, of olive plants, olive trees are, are producing this. Um, what I could gather from the commentaries, it would be maybe as if he um, lowered the debt by almost $100,000 for the first person and around 100000 maybe for the second person. Um, and it doesn't say that there's just two, right? He's bringing them, he tells you about the first, tells you about the second, and you're kind of wondering, well, there's probably more going on there. Huge sum of debt and dealing with, with a, lot of, a lot of riches. He's, he's giving these people a big, uh, big favor. And now he's got people who will help him out. Once he's out, he's just, he's just lowered these people's uh, cost by $100,000. He can probably ask to stay with them for a year and then go to the next person uh, and the next person. And whether he's uh, living off of that for a while or that's just for a time as he tries to find something else, um, he's, he's been uh, very strategic uh, in a certain wisdom and prudence. And the, the master, who's been cheated and swindled out of all of this, uh, comes, and even though the man's been dishonest, he commends him not for stealing all his money, but at least finally this guy has shown some good business sense. He's been wasting all his money, and now he can see he's got, when he's motivated, he's got the right motivation, he can get it, get it done. And Jesus says, I tell you, uh, take, take an example from this guy, uh, learn to make friends the way that he did, his shrewdness, his planning for the future. So, Try to bring out just three three points of connection, uh, just for fun, just because we're just briefly in it, but fun, help you follow along. Uh, timing, uh, tools, and, uh, and, and tomorrow, or together, actually. Uh, timing, uh, tools, uh, and, and together. Um, the guy understands the time that he lives in. Um, that the, the, the old is done with. Like, he's still presently acting as the manager, but that's done. He doesn't try to just still hold on to his position work out something better from it, appease his boss, or and he doesn't seem to feel any loyalty to the guy who he's been serving for however many years. He's done with it. Uh, he undercuts uh, his, his boss, uh, uh, his master, and lives for the future. He understands that he's between the times, but that the present isn't what matters. It's the, it's the future that's coming. That's where his hope lies. And Jesus is speaking to his followers as believers to understand the times in a similar way. Uh, that our hope doesn't lie mainly in the present. Our hope lies in the future. Our hope lies in the kingdom uh, that Christ is bringing. That is in part now, but in, in fullness later. Um, we spend so much effort on our present position, our present status or security, even though it doesn't last. Um, we can worry all day long about who our friends are and whether our friends really like us or whether they're talking behind our back or whether the reason we haven't been called when someone else went out and we saw them posted on Facebook and why they even... And we worry over all of that and we're, we're focused and concerned on, on now. Uh, on what we have. I mean, you're, I think it's great that you're at FSU, right? But let's just say as you're here at FSU, all of it is looking for toward the future and not 
future Christ kingdom, but you're saying, what's going to happen from here? What am I majoring in? Who are the people that I'm going to know now? But also, what are the connections that I'm going to make, the training that I'm going to make, and the jobs that are going to come after that? That's fine, and that's good. But Jesus is saying, yeah, if our strategy is only for that, and we're missing out on the eternal kingdom as it's coming, we're, there's something off. There's something lacking. He's, he's calling us toward more to understand the timing. The timing, but the, but the tools. Um, uh, this, this guy is, looks at his present status as merely a tool to prop up his, and help his future security. I mean, really, he takes money that's not his uh, to, to just give it, uh, give it to another uh, person for his own benefit. It really is kind of impressive. He had nothing. He had nothing and no place to go. And out of nowhere, he pulls out, I've got friends to live with and take care of me for as long as I need. Um, try, try pulling that one out of the hat, right? Uh, it's, it's really impressive. There's something clever there. Um, whatever money and status and opportunities uh, and possessions that believers has, have now, that, that we would have now, uh, Jesus is calling us to recognize that that's a tool. Look at that as opportunities that it gives you, opportunities to leverage, uh, to benefit future kingdom instead of just present comfort. Um, timing tools uh, to, together. Again, what you see this man doing is, is he makes friends, makes friends uh, for the future, that they get to enjoy the benefit in the future. They're going to welcome him into their homes uh, because of how he's helped them. And, and believers, Jesus is calling us not to just be Making friends for the moment uh, or making friends just for our security or our help uh, for, for a time or, or just enjoyment. Uh, but to look to use our present opportunities to, to benefit others in, in a way that may become eternal friendships. Um, verse 9, Jesus says, so that they may receive you into eternal dwelling. Not just welcome you into what's going on on the weekend, not just welcome you to come over for a party, not just welcome you to hang out and, and be with them, uh, but to receive you and welcome you uh, as you come into the kingdom of Christ uh, that they uh, have now found uh, their place in. Right? You get into making it f uh, friends, there's an evangelistic uh, uh, focus and pull to it. How are we looking to see the status, the position, the wealth, the things, the opportunities that we have now uh, to reach out to others uh, and to, to, to point them toward Christ and to his kingdom? And really, it's an evangelistic uh, uh, um, pointer, but also a focus on the, the poor and the needy um, and the, the outcast and the immoral, uh, the tax collectors and the sinners of this day who are watching on. Do you see how you can make friends? Um, uncommon friendships in, in odd ways. What Jesus is calling you to. Uh, it's fun for me to think about it this way, that there's, um, uh, that there's friends that you have that you don't know. Because um, one of the things that I, that I have to do in my job that I hate doing, but still is part of my job, is, raising, is, is doing fundraising. And there are people who do odd things. They do really odd things like give up chunks of their uh, savings or their earnings and send it to some weird campus ministry in Tallahassee that meets on the fifth floor of the, uh, of the university center um, so that this can happen. 
And so that weird things like spookapalooza could happen and maybe that there would be food afterwards. Um, or that you can some weekend get away and go to a, a conference and hang out and hear about the gospel and play sports and stay up way too late and then try to recover the next week. Um, and these people are doing this because the, because the gospel has made sense to them. Um, and they don't know you. Maybe sometimes I get to put your picture like on a newsletter that I send out and they're like, oh, who are these friends that, that we're making? Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to me to think that, think that uh, one day, maybe when they come into Christ's kingdom, uh, you're there going, really? You're one of these people like, we're friends. This is what I did. This is how this worked out uh, for me and what you've done in, in it. Um, do you see how you get to make friends? The opportunities that you have uh, in front of you. Like, like what stuff do you have that you can uh, leverage for others' benefit, even if that's odd? Like, oh, I don't have all this money. I can just lay down something. Fine. Like, maybe you, have a, maybe you have a TV. Maybe you have a living room that's larger than some other people, and you can invite a bunch of people over. Maybe you live in the dorm, and you have a toaster. And you're not really supposed to have a toaster in the dorm, so you should probably be getting rid of that toaster, but you're probably not getting rid of that toaster, so at least what you should do is start making toast for everyone else on your hall. But look, what are the little things that you have that you're saying, how can I be a benefit to people around me? Um, because I want to show love to them, I want to show grace to them, because I want one day for them to be people who are welcoming me into Christ's kingdom. Because you made them toast. Uh, because you were willing to smile at them. Uh, because you're willing to talk with them. Uh, because you're not as extroverted, but you're introverted, but you cared. And so you, you, you listened. Uh, and they felt known and valued and could begin to be open. Uh, there was a way that you started to make the gospel or the Bible more, more believable to them. That they're willing to, to hear that more. Um, because you made toast for them. Uh, because you're looking at the things that you have and say, how can I make friends and benefit uh, others? Um, <clears throat> Jesus uh, hung out with the outcast of his time. You hang out with the, with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the, the important people looked at Jesus and were like, what are you doing? That's wrong. Jesus was committing social suicide. Um, who are you concerned to make friends with? Who, who do you see around you and say, how can I benefit them? What are their needs? How are, they, how are you looking to the outcast, to the poor, to the needy, uh, to the immoral, and saying, this is how, who I want to give myself to. Um, Jesus gave himself uh, for, uh, for those outcasts. He gave himself uh, for us to make us his friends. Um, and he gives us the opportunity to reflect that. He tells this parable to shape our understanding of how we should aim at making those relationships. It's the example of what we ought to do, minus the immoral part of it. Uh, then he gives us, a little bit later, this other example, an off uh, example. Um, the, the, the passage goes on. Jesus says some more things. Um, you can't uh, uh, love God or serve God and money. And verse 14 says that the Pharisees, hearing all these things, the Pharisees, it says, who are lovers of money, ridiculed him. They're like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's telling you to act like this CEO who embezzled funds and got away with it. 
Uh, and he's telling you the, the money of these things, right? Um, so Jesus goes on and he tells uh, the second story. He tells a very sobering story. A story of not listening to his encouragement to make friends. A story that's now told more uh, toward uh, the, the Pharisees. And um, essentially, you know, we're kind of aware of the truth that if you, if you don't make friends, you can end up lonely. Um, if you don't make friends, if you don't get out, if you don't know people, then, then there's times when you wish there was someone calling you and there's, and there's not or no one to care for you. Um, we can relate to that sadness, but here, that's this rich man and it's lifted, it's, it's escalated up all the way to the eternal scale. Listen, but before we get too caught up in some of the difficulty of it, speaking about uh, hell and torment and anguish uh, in hell, speaking about it figuratively, that scripture talks about it as a real, uh, real thing. I, again, just interject the tax collectors and the sinners hearing this. Um, and there's something very fascinating and compelling about what Jesus is talking about. Uh, that, that it's the moral, rich, important person who's left everyone out, who's now on the downside of the story. As the poor man is lifted up, it's the selfishly rich, moral snob who's finally being punished after ignoring this one poor man all his life. And the, the story even brings it out as this balance of justice to a degree. Listen, it is, it's, this parable's kind of scary as you relate to the rich man, as you relate to the snob, but as you relate to the poor, as you relate to the friend of the poor, ah, it's a beautiful and encouraging uh, story. But again, the encouragement of the story is to, to not be like this. Instead, to, to make friends. Uh, and this is a warning that we need. It's the off example of getting off track from reaching out and making friends like Jesus does. And let me say this, this parable makes me uh, aware it's hard to both of these parables are hard to chew on and make me aware that like most of the friends that I have are probably more in the same social economic class uh, as, as me I don't have a lot of poor friends I know all of you are college students you describe yourself as poor college students but it doesn't really count <laughs> a little, little bit difference there right and there, there's something off there there's something off with the uh, with the gospel uh, uh, there um, and I think this passage is calling me to look more strategically to relate and share and become friends with people of different economic classes more because of the gospel. Uh, but listen, this passage it tells a story and he gives us this stark contrast and this reversal of the rich man on the one hand, um, the unnamed rich man on the one hand, and poor Lazarus on the other, dirt poor Lazarus. Begins with this rich man uh, eating out at Outback every night, or whatever your favorite restaurant is. Every day, every night, maybe lunch and dinner. He's there at Outback. They know him. They're serving it up, uh, steak, steak whenever he wants, shrimp on top of it, and a little lobster tail uh, on the side. It's, it's a sumptuous feast every single day. It's like he's an American. Um, it's, it's incredible. And he's wearing uh, purple clothes stuff like bought right off the racks at Ann Taylor or Banana Republic or whatever you want your... your you know, the new clothes and new styles that you're wanting to find yourself for, even if it was the thrift store or whatever, but you still paid way too much for it. Um, uh, and, and there's him, begins with him, and then there's this bum that sleeps outside the, uh, the edge of his gated subdivision, um, hoping that 
He'll be there when the trash goes out before the trash trucks come so that he can get some of the food out of the trash that was their leftovers. And that's what he's uh, surviving on. As the story goes, Lazarus dies. doesn't say, but we kind of presume from hunger or malnourishment or health issues. But then also, so does the rich man. And this, in this grand reversal of how the story uh, would come across, uh, Lazarus is found in heaven at, the, at Abraham's right hand, um, and the rich man in hell and in anguish. And we hear the rich man wishing that Lazarus could come help him just the t- tip of his finger touched in water to, to comfort him, or, or that Lazarus could go and be sent uh, to warn his brothers. But you get the point, right? For this rich man, the warning for us, He doesn't have a friend to welcome him into eternal dwellings, according to the language of verse 9. Though Lazarus had been outside of his gate for many uh, years, uh, he's not someone known, a friend who he received or who would in turn receive him. And it closes with the truth um, about his brothers that they would not be convinced, even with a sign, even if someone should rise uh, from the dead. Uh, So again... Just a few points of connection uh, to to this story. Uh, Resurrection, uh, reversal, and recognition. Uh, Resurrection. How do you expect that his brothers might respond if Lazarus actually was a sent, and though he died, he was now alive and trying to warn uh, this man's brothers? Um, I mean, really, I'm picturing it, and I don't think it's just the um, the impetus of the text, uh, the point of the text that they didn't uh, listen to Moses, but really they're like, is that poor guy that used to be outside the, the gate? Did, didn't he die a little while ago? Um, and they're like, yeah, okay, uh, thank you. Now we're closing the gate quickly before you uh, get here. I hear you yelling about something, our brother, and he's warning you. But no, we're not going to give you anything. Close the door. Um, that's how I'm expecting that more would go. Um, and, of course, here the fuller uh, reference is obviously to, to Jesus' resurrection. Uh, that one, there was a sign given of one being raised from the dead. And, and listen, to be clear here, the gospel is not making friends, uh, making enough friends, or making the right type of friends so that you can be uh, welcomed in. The gospel is Jesus calling us friends, uh, Jesus taking on our poverty, him taking on our shame and our guilt, and suffering and being condemned for it, uh, but, but giving us his riches and, and clothing us in his glory. Uh, forgiving us and bestowing on us uh, his uh, righteousness. Uh, It's what Jesus does, not what we do. It's what Jesus does that changes everything. And changing everything also changes how we relate to people, who we relate to, the relationships that we make. Uh, They're ignoring the Old Testament, uh, showed uh, showed their their unfaithfulness already, right? They didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, uh, more so ignoring the resurrection. Um, but what you get there is that, that, that not caring for the poor is at least partially then it's, it's a denial of God's word, God's truth. It's a denial of the gospel. It's to not care for the poor is to be inconsistent with what uh, God has, has done for us in Christ. Resurrection uh, re- reversal. It's a complete reversal of fortune. Major theme uh, in Luke's gospel in particular, really major theme uh, in the Bible, um, and all the ways that it talks, right? The, the last will be first. And then the first will be last. Makes you think about what you're aiming at. 
makes, makes you think about uh, who you're caring for. There's so many ways that we prioritize um, now, the present moment and our present position over the future kingdom. A resurrection and reversal um, uh, recognition, or really here we'd say lack of recognition, or that I'd rather speak of even as ignoring. Um, you see the rich man just ignoring Lazarus, ignoring, ignoring the poor. Um, even when he's in Hades and he calls out, who's he talked to? Lazarus doesn't seem that important. Hey, Lazarus, remember that time that I actually did give you the change that was in my pocket? Hey, could you just give me like a little drop of water? No, he doesn't even see Lazarus as someone too important to talk to. He talks to Abraham and says, send that unimportant guy next to you as your servant. Make him leave where he is happy and come down here. Or if he can't come down here, at least send him back into the horrible life that he once had and the shame of that so that he can tell the people that I actually care about. The recognition is just not there. Man has been outside of his gate for however long. Uh, this is where the passage really hits me. If you, if you notice as we read over it, uh, the description of, of Lazarus covered with sores, um, desire to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. And verse 21 says, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. I don't, I don't know how you respond to that. And, and dogs, this is not like American nice puppies were all around. This is like the... The, the larger, not the mice or the rats, but the even larger ugly scavenging beasts were around. Uh, and, and the ooze that was coming out of his scrapes and sores, they were licking up. Um, when I hear that, my mind just shuts down. right? Kind of like, I don't want to picture that, I don't want to see that, and if we see that, what do we do? We look away. Um, because we want to ignore it. And what we tend to do with poverty and with need uh, is, to, is to look the other way. Because it's hard to see it. It's hard to look at it. Hard, hard to know that, that that need is there and figure out to respond or to care or to embrace or what loving Lazarus would have looked like in that moment. That, that ignoring is dangerous. We're encouraged to make friends uh, because of the gospel, to make friends with the poor, with the needy, with the outcast, with the immoral. Because that's who we are. And God has given his son uh, for us to call us, uh, for Christ to call us friends, to welcome us into his love uh, and into his friendship. And so we're to live like it. What would the story of your friendships look like when you met, how you met, how it got started? Um, the person that you walk by outside the gate uh, that you tend to look away from is the person who is there, is noticing needs around you. Uh, where does it going from? How does it develop? Um, <clears throat> where, where might it end? Um, I really would love to just encourage y'all to, to, to look around you at the people that are there and see how you can love them. Really, I can look back on my years in college and great relationships that I built. I, I love that and I'm thankful for it. And I can look back on other people in college that I ignored 
I can look back on to who, to me, were the fifth floor guys uh, in Landis that early on in the year I hang out with, and then I don't know what they thought of the relationship after that. I got plugged into REF and other things, and I just didn't hang out with them as much anymore. Um, do I still look for, for their needs or to try to connect with them or maybe uh, not just go to REF social because I'm connecting with them? Uh, I can think of the guy who uh, years later found out was... Uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, homosexual and he was figuring that out and coming out at the time and we used to hang out for a little bit but there was plenty of things I said that would have known, made him know that I was not a safe person to just care for him at the time. Uh, that's sad. Um, so after freshman year didn't really see him anymore. I didn't put that kind of emphasis on who are these people I was like who are the people that I enjoy who are the people that want to hang out with me who are the people that I want to do something fun with and it was the moment. And there's good in that. I want you to value your relationships with one another. Um, but also Christ is calling you to look beyond that. Uh, to value the people around you that are in need of him. Uh, that you're looking to benefit them and bless them with, with this in view. That one day you might uh, be received into the kingdom of Christ. And there be people there saying, excited to see you and welcoming you and saying you were one of the few Christians I knew that actually was nice to me and, and it made me that much closer to just not rejecting it all out of hand you were someone who sat and cared for me uh, when I struggled uh, and you didn't just judge me and it made a difference. You were just someone who smiled at me. You know how I never came to any of your invitations to actually come to RUF, but you just kept doing that, and you still liked me even when I didn't come. And now here I am to welcome you like you would have welcomed me had I walked in that room with you. Jesus is pointing to look at relationships that way, uh, to leverage what you have now, even if it's just a toaster, uh, for what could be the relationships those ways, those who would welcome you in. Jesus says, I tell you, Make friends. Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, and it will, uh, they may receive you into the eternal dwelling.